0: So, in 1853, the 15-year-old Elizabeth, also known as Cici, daughter of the Duke of Bavaria accompanied her mother and elder sister Helene from their home near Munich to Austria. The journey had been long. They were delayed en route and some of their luggage did not arrive, meaning they had to stay in the black attire they were wearing and mourning for the loss of one of their family. This was not going to make an ideal first impression for they had come to meet the young emperor of Austria, Franz Joseph, to receive his former proposal to Helene. Sure enough, Franz Joseph found Helene, who was his first cousin, too quiet. The emperor was however attracted by the beautiful Elizabeth and shortly announced his intention to marry her and no one else. Five days later, they were engaged. Elizabeth was not as smitten with the 23-year-old Franz Joseph whom she thought dull, humorless and conservative. When they married 8 months later, in April 1854, the teen bride was seen sobbing in her carriage during the procession through Vienna. Being the Empress consort came as no consolation since it meant she had to move in intrasingently formal imperial court, which would be far cry from the freedom of her childhood. Elizabeth's strongest critic proved to be her mother-in-law, the archduchess Sophie. She didn't like her at all. Tensions only intensified when Elizabeth gave birth in 1855 to a daughter. Sophie not only took total control of the baby girl's care to the point of preventing Elizabeth from breastfeeding but even named the child and after herself no less. A second daughter was born following year was similarly taken away from Elizabeth. She was shunned by the nobles of the court whom she hated so much, no doubt helped by Sophie's interference for not producing a male heir. These years took a heavy toll on the still teenage Elizabeth who started suffering from an eating disorder and bouts of depression or melancholy. In 1857, her daughter Sophie fell ill and died during a family trip. In her grief and guilt, she distanced herself from the other child, Gisela. Yet, she did not have long to mourn as she soon became pregnant again for the third time in three years. This time, she bore a son. Providing the empire with a crown prince named Rudolf at last gave her security and influence and made her even more popular among the people. Unlike the court, they had adored her from the very start. As a tall, slender and stylish woman, she was considered one of the great beauties of the day. Of particular pride to Elizabeth was her hair. She had beautiful curls so long that they fell to her ankles. She also spent the time learning languages including English, French and Greek. In fact, Elizabeth looked for any means to escape both physically and mentally the imperial courts and her loveless marriage. Since she struggled to sleep at night, she voraciously read literature, history, philosophy and wrote her own poetry. Elizabeth suffered from poor health while confined to the palaces. Her solution which brought about remarkable and instant recovery, suggesting that her ailment may have been psychosomatic, was to travel as often as she could and to as many places as possible from England and Ireland to around Mediterranean. I always want to be on the move, she reportedly said once. Every ship I see sailing always will me with the greatest desire to be on it. By far, her favorite place was Hungary. Under imperial military control since an uprising in 1848, Elizabeth felt a deep kinship with its people and campaigned for the return of their autonomy. She visited frequently, learned the language and risked the court's ire further by keeping in household staff made up of the Hungarians. Most significantly, her efforts as a passionate mediator helped secure an Austro-Hungarian Compromise of 1867, ending Austria's absolute rule and establishing a dual monarchy. That year, Franz Joseph and Elizabeth were crowned King and Queen of Hungary. While this was a resounding success for Elizabeth and seemed to bring her closer to her husband, at least for a while, as a full child Mary Valerie was born in Hungary the following year, her mental state remained fragile. In 1889, Elizabeth would be undone by the death of her son Rudolph in what came to be known as Merling Incident. The Crown Prince was found dead, aged thirty, at the Imperial Hunting Lodge in Merling, alongside his teenage mistress, and what happened to be a suicide-pact. Elizabeth fell into deep depression from which she never fully recovered, wearing black for the rest of her life, and retreating even further from public life. She became more restless and reckless with her travelling, staying on the move, constantly and visiting places clandestinely and without protection. Reportedly, she declared that her wish would be to travel the world over until I drown and I am forgotten. On 10 September 1898, her yearning for travel had taken her to Geneva, Switzerland. As she walked to catch a ferry, an Italian antichrist named Luigi Lucini approached and stabbed her with a sharpened needle file in her heart. She died shortly afterwards aged 60. On hearing the news, Franz Joseph, who had remained deeply in love with her, cried out, I am spared nothing. Hers was a deeply tragic life, forever changed by Fran Joseph's infatuation with a 15-year-old girl instead of her sister. As Elizabeth herself wrote in one of her poems, Oh, had I but never left the path that would have led me to freedom. Oh, that on the broad avenues of vanity I had never strayed. I have awakened in a dungeon with chains on my hands. life James VI of Scotland who was born on 1566 was praised for his chastity since he shows little interest in women after the loss of Lennox he continued to prefer male company a suitable marriage however, was necessary to reinforce his monarchy and James Joyce was 14 years old Anna of Denmark a high-foreheaded, long-nosed beauty who was the daughter of the recently deceased Frederick II. She had the added advantage of being Protestant, the faith in which James himself had been raised. Her family also had huge amount of wealth. The marriage contract soon with numerous terracotta seals attached with ribbons was signed in July. The young bride-to-be was ecstatic, declared herself to be already in love and that it would be death to her to have the engagement broken off. Shortly after a proxy marriage in Copenhagen in August 1589, Anna sailed for Scotland but was forced by storms to the coast of Norway. On hearing that the crossing had been abandoned, James sailed from Leith. With a 300 strong retinue to fetch Anna personally, in what the historian Davis Harris Wilson called the one of the most romantic episodes of his life. The couple were married, formally at the Bishop's Palace in Oslo, Norway, on 23rd November. James received a dowry of 75,000 Danish Dalers and a gift of 10,000 Dalers from his mother in law, Sophie. After stays in Elsinore and Copenhagen and a meeting with Tycho Bray, James and Anna returned to Scotland on 1st May 1590. By all accounts, James was at first infatuated with Anna and in the early years of their marriage seems always to have shown her patience and affection. James could not match her initial devotion and always kept a string of favourites close by of both genders. Anna was also bitterly disappointed, 1592, when James insisted that the couple's eldest son, Henry, be raised in his own establishment, away from her. During their marriage, a period that included James' accession to the throne of England and Ireland in 1603, making him both James VI and I. Anna fell pregnant a further eighth time, but only three of the children reached adulthood. Another terrible blow struck the couple with the death of Henry at the age of 18, paving the way for their second son, Charles I, to be named as the successor. As far as Anna was concerned, she threw herself into her friendships, court masks and her secret conversion to the Catholicism. She died in 1619, being outlived by James by 6 years.